this week on the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. We're diving into all things MJF from the no-show at the meet-and-greet to the squash match to the contract deals to the promo on Wednesday night. We're covering it all. CM Punk shoots on the AEW locker room and how he's fitting in with them. Joey Janela sets his foot on fire and it won't go out. And Foley is pod. I'm your host, Seth Grimes, and this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. Oh, hi there. Welcome to my show. We are now in beautiful video format as opposed to just that stinky, ugly audio format. No longer will you guys just have to sit and stare at a thumbnail the whole episode. I appreciate you guys for doing that, but it's out the door, out with the old, in with the new, and the new new is live in an HD, motherfucker. Probably not like 1080 because, you know, streaming resolution lag, you know, it's maybe more like 720, but we're live in HD. That's the point. That's what I'm here to give to you guys. Plus a whole bunch of pro wrestling news. It's been an insane week to say the very least in professional wrestling. Tons of stories to get into. So instead of me just jabbering at you, staring at you in your little beady eyes through the screen. I'm just going to jump right into it and get to our first story. And of course, that is MJF. What a fucking week this guy has had. It's been hard to keep up with, to be honest with you. Now, I don't normally cover anything that happens inside the ring. Uh, The show is specifically targeted to podcasts and interviews and YouTube videos and that kind of stuff. You know, if it's on BTE or the fucking Chris Jericho podcast, that's my territory. If it happens on AEW Dynamite, that's for somebody else to cover. There's already tons of people covering that. But how could you come into a week like this, come off of a week like this, try to do a show recapping the week in professional wrestling, and not address fucking MJF's promo on Dynamite. Uh, all of this started, as you know, as it's been well documented at this point, that MJF no-showed a meet-and-greet on Saturday. This was for the Double or Nothing pay-per-view in Las Vegas. And uh, nobody was in on it. At that time, uh, it wasn't a work, as far as anybody else was aware um max just no showed and people didn't really know anything was going on until he wasn't there and they started trying to call him AEW execs were reaching out to him and he was not answering his phone and left a lot of fans hanging at the meet and greet who paid to see mjf i don't know why you would do such a thing uh <clears throat> i'm sure it's a horrible experience But they were shit out of luck. And then other wrestlers had to cover for them, which messed up their day. So it was a giant inconvenience to the fans 
to the AEW office, to the AEW wrestlers themselves, at least a handful of them. So definitely not a work at that point. Uh, then it was reported that Sean Ross Sapp had, uh, ch- had acquired uh, proof that there was a plane ticket scheduled for MJF to leave Las Vegas. It was a last minute, uh, possibly a red eye flight out of Vegas before the pay-per-view after the meet and greet. And uh, there were other websites who said that this wasn't the case, that this was just hearsay and that they weren't able to verify that. I know um, Meltzer and Alvarez over at the Observer were saying that they didn't think that the plane ticket, that there was a plane ticket. Sean Ross Sapp insists that there was. Sean Ross Sapp, very credible in wrestling. So uh, I would lean towards if SRS is saying that there was a flight booked, you know, and I'll get into that uh, clip here in a minute, uh, him kind of elaborating on that. Um, If he says he found it, uh, he found it. So MJF had a flight booked out before the pay-per-view. So this news broke before the event on Sunday. So going into double or nothing, nobody knew if MJF was actually going to be there. Of course, he was the first match on the show, on the main card proper. Uh, Got a huge uh, rain of booze from the crowd. Crowd acknowledging that he no-showed by, you know, the smartest crowd in wrestling, the AEW pay-per-view audience. Uh, basically, you know, he showed up. He showed up, right? So <clears throat> MJF does the match, gets squashed, which uh, I don't think was necessarily because of this whole situation, though it could have been, and it would have been a reasonable response to doing that. Uh, but I don't think that was the case. I think if you look at the storyline that was presented for uh, for the pay-per-view just leading up, for the build-up with Wardlow and everything, I think this was the only way that you go. Uh, this was the only option to do it. Wardlow wins, LOL, giant squash match. Uh, when I went into it, before it even started, even regardless of what MJF was doing, I was thinking MJF needs to get squashed here. And then they were dragging it out, and he was running around, and it was actually better than I thought it would be because you got to see MJF squirm and try to weasel his way out of things before he got squashed. So I don't think that had anything to do with it. Uh, But then we dive into, you know, he he gets the 10 power bombs, just gets destroyed, gets stretched out. Theoretically, that could have written off MJF. Uh, But then rumors hit the rumor mill that he was, uh, him and Tony Khan were expected to have a meeting on Monday. Big B coffee, by the way, delicious. They got a $2 iced coffee deal going on uh, right now for the summer. Highly recommend you go get that taken care of. But back to the wrestling. <clears throat> Supposedly there was a meeting on Monday. And uh, whatever the fuck happened in that meeting between Tony Khan and MJF worked out in both of their favors because they came into Wednesday. MJF was going to speak live. Uh, that's how they were promoting, and MJF dropped the promo of a lifetime, the promo of this era. We have not seen a promo in wrestling like this since CM Punk did a pipe bomb promo in Las Vegas 10 years ago. So this was 
not this was not only the best promo of MJF's career, um, but this might be the best promo of this era, you know, in the last 10 years. Uh, this might be the most significant promo in AEW history. This was insanely good. And people are are wondering now, they're concerned, where's the line on this? What's real? What's fake? Is it real? Is it fake? Is it a shoot? Is it a work? Who's in on it? Who's not in on it? All the wrestlers, all the boys right in the back and the dirt sheets and shit, they're all clueless. They have no fucking clue what's going on other than it's pretty well assumed at this point that this is a work um but don't take my word for it listen to this clip that was a lot of rambling to lead you in but there's a lot going on here so i had to catch up to speed if you weren't already uh or just give my two cents on what's been going on because it is my motherfucking show uh but check out this clip from sean ross sap where he goes into more detail about this situation i reported that they were set to have a meeting at that point, if you even go back and look at the Fightful Select report, I was like, all right, he's still in town? Okay. And I even reported, listen, this part's real, this part's real. I cannot verify from this point forward what is what is a work, what is a shoot. Tonight, it became very clear to me. They're working together, and it's a masterful one. And Tony Khan even said on last week's media call, MJF likes to carry a lot of real-life things into storyline mm -hmm. so the storyline even mentions storyline before yeah. which yeah. is very taboo so to speak however you'll notice in mjf promo tonight he ain't mentioning storyline he mentioned that he's being max friedman yeah so i think i've pretty clearly established that from right now, now i've not had a tony khan and mjf say oh it's it is a work. It's not a work. Haven't had them say that at this point, but come on. From inference, I believe that from this point on, it's a work. And that's, again, my hunch. Could I be wrong? Absolutely. But this seemed like a work promo to me. Yeah, everybody's fucking clueless. Nobody has any idea if this is a work or a shoot or to what extent it's a work and to what extent it's a shoot. I think most people at this point can agree that it's a, a work, right? Because it wouldn't have made its way onto live TV if it wasn't a work. I watched, uh, like, uh, I must have watched, like, the Fight TV version of it or something. Because when I watched it, MJF dropped the F-bomb. You know, fire me, you fucking mark. He said it. Like, I heard it. And, I was, and then they cut his mic. I was like, oof. They let that happen on TV with the TV execs in the building? I mean, it wasn't the first time that an F-bomb has been dropped on TV. And it wasn't the first time that an F-bomb has been dropped on AEW TV. Uh, you know, South Park's done it before and stuff, too. And then I... Thing, you know moxley said shut the fuck up or you know that kind of or go fuck yourself <laughs> um so it's been done so i figured okay they got the approval to do this once in a great while if they really need it to bust it out um but apparently it was bleeped for other uh you know because it is on a tape delay too and that's why you know when i heard it obviously because all tv does like a 15 second delay or a 30 second delay for just this situation especially live tv so 
Uh, it's designed that way. So if somebody does drop an F-bomb or somebody's titty pop out or something like that, they can catch it, blur it, bleep it, whatever the fuck they got to do. Um, but I heard it live and I, it, it added the, I felt that it added the emphasis to it to me. Um, I think pretty much everything Max is saying is true or was true. But I think for that to make it out on the TV, I think we have reached a point where Tony Khan and MJF have reached some sort of an agreement. I don't know if Max got exactly what he wanted out of it. Uh, I don't know that Tony got everything that he wanted out of it. Uh, but for for now, for the working future here, they have come to some sort of terms, obviously, Uh and, and they, they've come to an agreement not only to keep working together, but to take this issue that's been so publicized over the Internet and the dirt sheets and the wrestling news media uh, over the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months even, but really escalated in the last week or so here, uh, to take this situation and turn it into a work, right? Take the shoot, shoot yourself into a work. As they say, you know, instead of working yourself into a shoot, they shot themselves into a work and it's beautiful. It's fucking beautiful. And there's a lot of wrestlers backstage that are in executives backstage that are kind of upset about this situation, that they're not in the loop on this and that, you know, the cardinal sin. You don't work the boys. You never work the boys. You never work the office. Uh, Vince used to do it. And 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 so. Who cares, right? Like when he had ECW sit in the front row and they were going to fuck with the with the WWE guys, WWE guys were not smartened up to that. Vince wanted the general reaction. Uh, and, and I think there was a little bit of heat from that situation too because of that. But look, and, and it's not, I think the Brody Lee situation, you know, Punk's been on record about that, uh, that it was basically his deciding factor to go to AEW is the fact that the AEW locker room knows how to keep a secret. So maybe they felt insulted that the AEW and MJF didn't trust, Tony and MJF didn't trust anybody else in the company to uh, to keep this kind of secret, you know, to not have it leak out that, you know, we're, we're working here. I'm working here. So uh, I'm okay with it, though. Um, sometimes you need to for the realism. I wouldn't make a habit out of working everybody or pissing people off, but look, uh, not everybody on the roster or in the office is entitled to know what happens in the meeting between MJF and Tony Khan. Uh, creative wise, uh, they should be smartened up, but at the end of the day, listen to that clip from Sean Ross Sapp. Nobody has a fucking clue what's going on other than they know just by virtue of just being on TV and the way the promo was structured and everything that clearly this was allowed to happen, that clearly MJF is still going to be uh, on TV in some capacity or that they're, because they could have wrote him off after Wardlow. So the fact that, Hey, go talk, go out there and say everything that the internet thinks that you want to say, uh, it's just beautiful. And uh, the way other people are reacting, I get it. You know, feelings are hurt, whatever, but hurt, fine. But it's making for a better promo. It's making for a better angle. And it's better when people don't know. I, I would like to see that nobody has a clue on MJF status, that everybody in the building 
uh, sees MJF barely there. You know, he walks in, he walks out. I like that kind of shit, too. You know how he showed up just before the pay-per-view, apparently, with Wardlow and then left right after his match with Wardlow. Keep doing that kind of shit. Don't smarten anybody else up because there's a lot of stooges backstage in the in the uh, locker room that love to talk to the dirt sheets. So, uh, yeah, they can keep a secret. But Brody's was a health reason, you know. All it takes is for one person to kind of wink and nod to, like, a Sean Ross and be like, yeah, it's weird. You know, he doesn't need to elaborate or stooge anybody off, but he can just go, you know, give him the old winky face. It's a work, but we don't know. I mean, obviously we know it's a work. We can tell. You can tell by the way that everything's doing, but it's masterful. I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, Actually, in my next segment, I'll get into a little bit more of where I'd like to see this MJF angle go as it kind of bleeds into the next story. But for now, like, I, I, I just thought this was a hell of a promo. I, uh, you know, if they're able to get on working terms and they're able to spin this into an angle, uh, it's going to be a hot angle. It is a hot angle. It's all anybody's talking about. That crowd was fire in L.A., and uh, MJF has never been hotter in, in the business. This is his hottest run right now. He's in it. He's on it. His name is on everybody's lips. And good for Max. Good for this whole situation. And then the things he said or whatever, like this is just all the stuff that the internet says. You know, Tony Khan's Mark or whatever. All this is good shit. Uh, it's all great for because it's what the internet thinks that MJF would say if he was mad. And it probably is to a certain extent the stuff he would say. But in my opinion, it's all good shit. It's heading in a great direction. I'm excited for it. I, I like this angle. And uh, when I do get into the next topic here, I will have just a little bit more on MJF as far as where I'd like to see things go. Um, but if you're only listening to this clip, you know, I think he's bound for the championship i think uh, putting him in the championship picture is the right way to go here especially with punk injured and that's going to kind of bleed into the next topic so enough of that shit for now i'm sure mjf will give us plenty more to talk about but until then on to the next i hate juggalos i fucking hate them I say all this with a grain of salt because for a good part of my own life, I proudly identified as a juggalo. You should come to the gathering with me. Nah, man. I'm, I'm not into all that whoop whoop shit anymore. I'll pay for your ticket. I got fired today. Get the fuck out! Still got room for me? Spike, slow the fuck down! Cops! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! The savages started closing in with their tiki torches and war paint. Shit. Run! You guys got a dead body here already? Even the aliens were throwing shade. It was pure panic and intense horror. There was a guy I saw got chopped in half. I had nothing left to go back to. You alive? <sighs> yep. The Gathering. A bold journey into the belly of the Juggalo underworld. CM Punk is your new AEW World's Champion, or is he? A little bit more on that following here. 
Uh, but coming out of Double or Nothing this past weekend, as of the pay-per-view, CM Punk is your new AEW champion, defeating Hangman Page and uh, culminating his long one-year journey from uh, making his massive return to carrying the gold. And in the post-show press conference, the media scrum, CM Punk was asked a lot of questions, one of which was what it's like blending in with the AEW locker room. Does he feel like he fits in with these people or is he still the outcast trying to find his way within the locker room and here's what cm punk had to say check out this clip a lot of people were talking about the promo exchange you had with page leading into double or nothing how it felt like there was some real tension there um do you feel like you're um blending in with this locker room or do you still feel like you're kind of somebody on the outside trying to find his way in to the regular mix of aew uh Oh, I've, I've grown so wise in my old age that I will, I'll do my best to be uh, as diplomatic as I possibly can with this answer. Um, if there's people backstage uh, that don't like me, it's a minority. And um, if anybody says that nobody wants me here and nobody likes me, I like to say that uh, nobody's don't like me and nobody's don't want me here. Run with that. Fair enough. Yeah, straight up, fuck everybody who doesn't want Punk there. Because unless Punk is being a, a douchebag backstage, uh, a locker room politician holding everybody down and trying to steal his spot and hold it tight and fuck everybody else, and he's doing the Triple H in, or he's burying this guy and burying that guy, as long as none of that's going on and he's just there, uh, to be the big star that he is and draw money for the company and lead the company by being the biggest name on the roster uh, and selling all those shows and the tickets, then great. Then nobody else on the roster should complain. Uh, there's a lot of people that are going to look at the these big names that are coming in from a WWE or just from the shelf somewhere else for a while coming in and taking their spot when really what they're doing is they're making the company bigger. Maybe not everybody. And maybe some people are taking spots from other people, you know, like uh, Johnny elite, for example, there's no reason for a Johnny elite to be in AEW. I'm not a huge fan of them to begin with. Um, so there's a little bit of bias there going on. Um, but in general, like why would you bring a guy like that in and give him a spot on TV against Samoa Joe when you could give that to any number of people you already employ. People like that don't need to be brought in. But when you're talking a CM Punk, a Brian Danielson, like, go fuck yourself. These people are going to change the company. And you should be happy that they're there. And, and, and you should look at that as an opportunity for you to grow. You know, maybe I get a chance to work with Punk or Brian. Maybe I get a chance to to just pick their brain and have them watch my matches, use their experience. Um, maybe, you know, there's more people sitting in the crowd and I get a little bit of a bigger paycheck from that, you know, like these people being in your company can only up the value of your company. And it's up to you anyway, to get yourself over. It shouldn't matter who's on the card. 
you don't you shouldn't think that you drop down the card because the CM Punk or a, a Brian Danielson are on the show. You should think that this is your opportunity to work with some greats and to get your name thrown in the mix and to just work your way up and show that you are able to hang with those talents. You know, some people have already. Other people, like I said, Johnny Elite, you know, I don't think he has any business in AEW. I think uh, Tony's got to be very cautious about bringing in those kind of people. And again, I'm not a Johnny Elite fan, so I'm kind of burying him a little bit. And I do realize that if you like him and you're happy that he's there and you're a fan, then you're, you're mad at me. But, uh, you know, he's an example of ex-WWE guys that maybe don't belong. Um, but in general... You know, I think uh, this sentiment that the locker room might have where they get they get mad at people like CM Punk being around, it's just salt, you know, it's just saltiness. And, uh, you know, like Punk said, those people don't matter. But it could be all for naught anyway because poor CM Punk uh, came out on – Friday night and said that he's going to be going away for a little bit to have a surgery due to injury and he will be uh, relinquishing the title. Uh, I think there's a little bit of confusion as to is he relinquishing the title or is he going to stay the champion and they're just going to do an interim. Uh, I do believe that the going theory at this point is that they're going to do an interim champion. And then uh, Punk will come back as champion. Depending on how long he's gone, I don't know if that was the right play or not in interim. I know UFC does interims, and I'm not opposed to that in in a lot of situations. But I do think that I do think that there's money in the chase for Punk. Punk achieved it. He he came back. He did his full year run, basically, of working his way up the ladder. Everybody said they should have gave him the strap on day one. But, of course, we all know as internet wrestling fans that the second that they would have gave him the strap or Brian Danielson the strap, that the the other half of the internet would go, oh, they're just going to – he just walks in the door and they just hand him the title and he's a WWE guy. And You know, you, can, you can't please anybody ever. So – uh, what they did with Punk was smart to give him a year to work his way up to it. And he finally reached that. He won the championship. Now he's fucking injured. So I, to me, there's money in the chase. So I would let him relinquish the belt. And then just when he comes back, and this is what I was talking about earlier. Uh, if you are listening to the full show or watching the full show, I was talking about MJF earlier. If not, if you're just doing the clips, you can go back and check out that clip if you'd like. I was talking about the whole MJF situation, and I kind of left it hanging on where I think they should go with it, other than just kind of teasing that they should put him into the title picture. Here's what they need to do. Here's how I would book it. Um, and, and honestly, like, you know, I would have probably had the inevitable – a uh, rematch between Punk and MJF anyway. I probably would have had Punk, uh, uh, I would have had MJF be the one that ends Punk's championship reign. Um, once they came back around to that. But now that Punk's hurt, which sucks for me, by the way, because I have uh, tickets for the Detroit show where they're doing the blood and guts, 
which I popped for, by the way. It was really fun. I was watching Dynamite, and uh, they mentioned the blood and guts. I think it was Moxley at first, or maybe Kingston. Kingston at first, because Moxley was in the main event. And then I started going through. I was looking at all the, like the tour dates of AEW, and I was just like, "Where are they going to do this? Where are they going to do this?" And I was looking, and I was like, "It has to be my Detroit show, right?" And then at the end, they actually announced that it was going to happen in Detroit. So I'm pumped. I get to see blood and guts, but very saddened that I'm not going to get the punk. Uh, my partner with the wrestling NFTs is uh, coming with me, and he's also a giant CM Punk mark like myself. And uh, we were both excited to see him in Detroit, and now that's up in the air. You know, he's certainly not going to be wrestling there, but will he even be on the road or appearing anywhere while he's hurt? But that's just my own personal. So what you do now, going back to my own sidebar, uh, getting away from my sidebar nonsense, here's what you do. MJF, they got this battle royal thing, which I don't in the winter faces Moxley. I don't know that that, why does Moxley get a buy in the battle royal? Just put the belt up in a battle royal just flat out but either way mjf needs to win this vacated title and he needs to do it by crook you know the old by hook or by crook you know he could either have hook come in and help him out with a run in or he could just crook it i think he should crook it He's still got the ring he could just ring somebody in the face who knows i don't care i'm not that i'm not the agent right but big story booking, MJF gets the belt, holds it hostage from AEW. They continue the uh, the beef storyline between Tony Khan and MJF. And they basically almost do what everybody wanted Punk to do when Punk was going to leave WWE the summer of Punk that he had in WWE where he defended the, the title or where he won the title from John Cena at Money in the Bank. And then just turned around and lost it at SummerSlam already. Um, but really what they should have did, if they had the balls to do it, was to let Punk actually leave the company. I'm not talking like Brian Pillman, give him his release. Um, but let him legitimately carry around the belt <clears throat> to indie promotions. Let him go make a deal with Ring of Honor to let... CM Punk go in and wrestle a match for Ring of Honor wearing the WWE Championship. Let him go to New Japan. Let him work a fucking bingo hall in fucking Albuquerque, New Mexico, you know, as the WWE Champion. That would have been so cool. Um, let MJF be the anti-AEW guy, the, the beefing with the company, I'm leaving this company, fuck fire me, I dare you, fuck off, I hate you. And even more, a step further, they should take one of my favorite, all-time favorite storylines from the, the modern era of New Japan since I've been following New Japan, um, <clears throat> which is the Bullet Club era, you know, since the Bullet Club was popular. Um, you know, uh, since that era, one of the greatest storylines, in my opinion, that they did was with Naito. where he uh, felt like he was getting the bone from the company. He was their intercontinental champion. So what he did is he took their belt and he would just fucking throw it and smash it up against the guardrail or the stairs, and he would just drag it behind him as he's walking to the ring. 
and then fucking pie like he com- he treated the belt with as much possible disrespect and almost disdain and disgust it wasn't just this thing that he had to carry around he was like appalled by it, it was like get this fucking piece of trash away from me that's how mjf should carry the aew and i know that's gonna that would ruffle a lot of feathers too and a lot of people are very uh traditional and you don't disrespect the belt and blah 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 blah. and it's a big beautiful beautiful belt and i would advise against disrespecting it too in most cases but wrestling is storytelling so even above tradition and respect and in in keeping the prestige of things is telling great compelling stories and what better great compelling story to make uh to make fucking chicken salad out of chicken shit with cm punk going on the injured list than to have mjf Take advantage of his situation, his heat that he's got right now, and his storyline that he's doing right now. Give him the belt. Let him fucking carry it around. Let him disrespect it. Let him threaten to walk, you know, beg to be fired, walk out of the company, do everything that they can do to strum up attention with this and him holding the very company's championship hostage. Oh, what a fucking story they could tell with that. And then, and then when CM Punk comes back, which isn't going to be six months from now. Sorry, I got the, I'm kneeing. For those with the visual, I just kicked my desk with my knee so it wiggles. My desk don't wiggle, wiggle. It folds. Okay, that was cringy as fuck. So when Punk comes back, there you go. It's fucking sitting right there for me. Now Punk can be the hero that saves AEW and the AEW championship from this fucking supervillain MJF who's who's had the title in, in, in his control and just fucking, just fucking trying to ram it up AEW's ass for so long that we need this hero to come save the day, CM Punk. Oh, what a fucking great story. That's what I'd like to see if you're going to try to make the best of this situation with Punk being injured. It sucks. Like I said, it especially sucks for me because I uh, was I bought a ticket specifically to see him. I mean, it's nice to see the other guys. Fuck, I get to see blood and guts. So, uh, you know, I'll take it. And, and I'll certainly talk about that. Probably I'll do like an event review or something like that. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how all this plays out. That's exactly how I would do it. And, uh, we, you know, this is where we ended from starting the conversation about punk in the locker room, but Hey, it all has to do with punk in the locker room and storylines and the championship. So go fuck yourself. It's my show. The bad boy, Joey Janela was on insight with Chris Van Vliet this week. Talking about his post-AEW contract antics on the indie scene, mostly in GCW, and most infamously was the story that broke recently about Joey Janela setting his foot on fire and then super kicking somebody with it and not being able to put his foot out. Check out this clip where Joey Janela talks with CVV about this situation and trying 
going to put his fucking foot out before it burns off the boat. Check it out. But back to the foot. So this video went viral of you giving a flaming super kick. Yes. You lit your foot on fire, which in itself was already crazy enough that you gave a flaming super kick. But it was the fact that your foot wouldn't go out. It just kept burning. So you didn't think to have a fire extinguisher on hand? I don't I didn't want a fire extinguisher. Usually a fire extinguisher it's kind of pointless. Usually you put water on the fire and it goes out. Uh, that's what people don't get. They start splashing my foot and I'm trying to get the shoe off because I tied the shoe so tight on that I didn't want there to be a chance that I super kicked them and my flaming shoe flew off into the crowd and lit okay. someone on fire. It was hard to get it off. I get it off and then I was like, the shoe's on fire, okay. And then I look and my sock is on fire now. I start, I, I, they're pouring water on it and then I start grabbing it. I start grabbing my foot, trying to put it out with my hands. Adrenaline's running through me. I don't feel the flames. I guess it's just the lighter fluid, the way it burns. And uh, eventually Rob shit to the rescue came out and threw his leather, his uh, leather jacket Save on my foot day. and out. But Do you, did you get any burns? You no any burns. burns. It didn't even burn through the sock. Joey Janela is a fucking idiot. So first of all, this is actually kind of a fun spot. Back in my day when I was a like a backyard wrestler and stuff, I think a lot of us were, us wrestling fans, would wrestle around with our friends in the backyard and shit. And when the ECW days came around, we introduced a little bit of hardcore into our backyard shit, right? At least we did. I did. Um, and I did this thing where I figured out, and, and looking back on it, it was probably super stupid. Um, but I figured out that hairspray, you know, I'd take, take my mom's hairspray was flammable. You hold a lighter in front of it and go, and it'll go. Whoo. So, uh, doing that, like I, I never felt comfortable spraying in somebody's face, but what I did was I did this thing where I sprayed my hand, sprayed my fist up with, with <laughs> dripping wet with hairspray. And then I would light it. And it was probably super dumb, but I never felt it like because it would go, it would ignite. And then when you draw back and punch that motion, like it goes out right away. Like it's just, it, it's a visual. And I think that's what he was going for with the kick. I didn't know. I don't know if he was hoping or planning for his foot to still be on fire when he got done with that kick. Uh, certainly there was no plan to put it out. You know, he's talking about, oh, you know, I don't like fire extinguishers. I like water. He's a fucking idiot. He's like, I don't want to take the chance of getting it on my, shut up. All right. Yeah. If you're going to do a fire spot, you have a fire extinguisher just for the fact that fire is uncontrollable, right? It doesn't matter what you want. You can have the water ready to pour on your foot, but you have the fire extinguisher there just in case shit burns down. But regardless. Joey Janelle is a fucking idiot. You know, you can listen. If you listen to this whole interview and you listen to the guy talk, he's a fucking moron. He's an absolute mud show outlaw douchebag idiot. I'm sorry for the, the Joey Janela fans. And look, I like hardcore wrestling. I like it. Uh, like I said, I used to do the flaming punch, but it would go out. It wouldn't burn me. It wouldn't burn the person. Uh, not that I'm any kind of professional or anything, but if I can do it, if my idiot ass can do it in my backyard when I'm fucking 15, 14, then 
he can do it when he's fucking in his 30s in a in a professional wrestling ring. So uh that happened. Uh it was very funny to watch him just like apparently he had no burns at all. Like he had no like it didn't didn't get through to his foot. Uh he might have had to buy a new pair of boots. That would suck. Uh the GCW might have had to buy a new fucking um uh, canvas for their for their ring they can't even afford an apron to go around the ring so uh getting them a new canvas is going to be a tough issue but i actually don't mind seeing stuff like this i like i actually think the flaming super kick is uh, is a sweet idea for a spot where where so i'm not don't get me wrong i'm not calling janela an idiot because he did the spot i'm actually okay with that uh, I'm calling him an idiot because he, he didn't think it through. He had no plan for, you know, is my foot going to stay on fire instead of going out with the kick? And if it does, how am I going to put it out? A water bottle, a bucket? It took a half hour for that to happen, and it still wasn't enough. This should have been thought through. And, and if Janela couldn't come up with it, he said he told Brett Lauderdale, the guy who runs GCW, he should have been like, if you're doing a fire spot, we need a fire extender. We got to take precautions. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're still a little bit too indie-rific for their own good. Somebody's going to get fucking hurt uh, just because they don't go out of their way to take the proper precautions to just, I mean, fuck, it's an extra 20 bucks at the hardware store to go get, like, a little, like a little one. You know, you can buy, like, you don't need, like, the giant ones or anything like that. Just be prepared. Clue the ref in. Be like, hey, as soon as you see me lining up to do this kick, maybe go outside the ring and get the fire extinguisher immediately. Like, nobody's going to be watching the ref anyway when there's a flaming super kick going on. So just take a powder, go grab the fire extinguisher. So the second that I lay my kick in and it's done, if that boot hasn't gone out, you come in and just spray the fuck out of me. As a referee, I would imagine that if a fire breaks out in the middle of the match, one of your duties, if this was a legitimate sport, this was the UFC, and somebody did a flaming fucking kick in the middle of a UFC fight, I would imagine one of the referee's responsibilities would be to put the fire out. So referee sees fire, referee goes for fire extinguisher. It's believable. It's safe. It's it's good to go. And uh, you know, maybe not use the whole bottle of lighter fluid. That's the other thing. And he also said he sent somebody up to the store to get the lighter fluid for him. I've heard uh, Bully Ray talk about this before, and I'm sure other people have mentioned it too in di- different interviews. There are good kinds and bad kinds of lighter fluid. There's kinds that will kind of go out right away, and there's kinds that will stick around for a while. And... Uh, you don't want the wrong kind because that can cause a problem as it did for Joey Janela. But Hey, to me, uh, other than, you know, Janela's an idiot and it was kind of a stupid spot to do without fully thinking it through and, and being prepared, uh, for safety reasons. But, uh, at the end of the day, I mean, it looked cool. Right. And, uh, it gets GCW more attention and it gets Joey Janela more attention. Joey Janela staying in the spotlight, right? Staying on the tip of everybody's tongue, getting his name out there. You know, and he even mentioned that. You know, he mentions that, you know, he, he that, that kind of stuff gets him noise. So 
that's what they're all trying to do in the indies anyway is get themselves attention and, and stay in that spotlight so i i mean kudos to him you know if he's got to set himself on fire and uh you know suffer through third degree burns which he said he didn't get but i mean it took a while for his boot to go come off uh, and then even then his sock was on fire so i don't know but fuck me if i know how fire works right For weeks, Eric Bischoff has been just dogging AEW, jumping on them about their ratings and all of this shit. Just really like under the guise of constructive criticism, really kind of taking shots at them. He's got a hair up his ass. Um, you know, we've all seen this kind of play out over weeks. And at this uh, AEW Double or Nothing post-conference, post-show press conference, CM Punk was uh, at the table at the time, and somebody had asked Punk about his Twitter beef with Eric Bischoff. And while Punk said he wouldn't really call it much of a beef as he didn't really name Bischoff specifically, and he kind of downplayed it and just kind of said that these people should just die in the dark. Uh, in general, you know, the old timers that just, you know, kind of want to make a career out of criticizing everything. Um, but Tony Khan sitting right next to him just jumped in and went to fucking town. And he really just kind of, this was his, his, I think he, he might've had enough of Eric Pischoff because he really laid in, uh, just check out this clip. We had like a little bit of a Twitter war, not too long ago with Eric Bischoff, where he, and I quote, he said that you were the biggest financial flop in wrestling. That's fucking bullshit. <laughs> I can tell there's only one person that can attest to that. I don't know what other people, I can only attest what's happened here and public record and some of these things are a matter of public record because things of freedom of information and stuff so we do you know have over the years a good amount of financial data in pro wrestling i can tell you like no one wrestler has ever come in and made a bigger plus delta financial difference in the history of my company going into this is the third year anniversary this week going into year four no one person has ever made a more positive impact we just did a record pay-per-view buy every pay-per-view he's done a four pay-per-view cycle now every one of them was the record and his debut of course is a huge thing from the first dance the biggest rampage draw in the history of that show uh the matches he carried the friday night war which by the way is a matter of record in fucking court in the state of california that we won the friday night war just ask jerry mcdivitt because he fucking wrote it and this guy won it versus matt seidel who's a great wrestler he had another goddamn great match on friday night this fucking guy and then he did the goddamn main event here he's a biggest part of financial success in the history of this company let's fucking go that's bullshit says tony khan uh yeah you know i've been saying this all along like eric bischoff's really hung up on the ratings ratings ain't the end all be all in today's society you know when when the monday night wars were going on uh there was no streaming services there was no youtube there was barely dvrs was there even dvrs at that point maybe towards the end um, but during 83 weeks proper, you know, when when in the heat of it, when uh, NWO was on top and the sting angle and when when Bischoff was really running shit, uh, was there those other things to compete with? There wasn't really even Internet uh, where you could just get like 
updates and news. There wasn't like, listen, like people live their life. They consume media differently now. It's a, it's a whole different world. Nobody watches TV in the numbers that they watched back then. Eric Bischoff is, is looking at, oh, we used to draw six, seven million, four million, five million. <clears throat> Nobody draws that shit anymore. Uh, and news doesn't draw that kind of numbers anymore. Like fucking the Super Bowl will draw those kind of numbers. Uh, the Olympics might have drew those kind of numbers. Big sporting events might still, you know, Monday Night Football might get up there. I don't know what they do lately. You know, basketball playoffs, that kind of stuff. Um, but just and maybe even major major TV shows, big hit shows that are still on TV. But for the most part, like people are on Netflix, people are on Disney Plus, they're on Hulu, they're on Peacock, they're on uh, Amazon Prime, they're on YouTube. Man, my mom cut her cable. And she watches, like, YouTube mostly. Like, I don't watch wrestling on TV. I watch it on the internet. I require it after the fact, you know? Um, people watch on Fight. It's 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 a different world. So you got to look at other metrics. Ratings are still important because at the end of the day, both these companies, AEW and WWE, uh, their bread and butter are their TV deals. So they're making their money by these TV companies who want them to do well. Um, but it's just not the late nineties anymore, you know? So it's on a curve, you know, well now is not the same as well back then. Um, and, and, and by all accounts, the TV companies are liking the numbers that they're doing. Um, their YouTube numbers are great. Their, their ticket sales are phenomenal. Did you see that fucking LA show? I don't know if it completely sold out, but I mean, it might as well have been. It was jam fucking packed. I know when I went to buy tickets for that De Detroit show where the blood and guts are going to be, um, it was like half sold out at least by the time I got to it. And it was within the first couple days of it being on sale. So like, I, I'm pretty positive that's going to, and that was before blood and guts was announced. So I'm pretty positive that that's going to be, packed house too um aw selling tickets everywhere they go wwe not so much like think about it i i don't know if you guys been to a lot of wwe shows or aew shows uh i've been to one aew shows at the one where cm punk came back uh in chicago at the united center and then i was at many wwe events before never been to a mania or anything i have been to a royal rumble um, but these shows are, are WWE shows are just, they were funner back in the day. Uh, they are not as fun now uh, as an AEW show. AEW shows have that attitude era feel to the live event itself. You know, you feel like you're kind of going to a party. Uh, there's some tailgating going on beforehand. Everybody was kind of rowdy and excited. And, and it was the one of the funnest wrestling shows I've ever been to, if not the funnest. Uh, so I'm excited for this Detroit show. Um, so there's, there's a difference in the metrics there. Uh, merch sales, that kind of thing. Um, look, no doubt WWE is the bigger company and probably will always be. But this idea that, 
you know, punk's the biggest flop in the history of the fucking business or, or you know, a uh, big flop for AEW. Um, it is just nonsense because Bischoff is going strictly off ratings. And look, Punk did not do any kind of bump for the ratings. So he's not wrong there. Um, but would anybody? I don't know that Brock Lesnar coming on the show or John Cena himself coming on the show uh, for a couple weeks, maybe. But, you know, I, I, it is what it is. You know, has Cody Rhodes even done much of a noticeable difference in the ratings for WWE? Maybe some, but not huge. I'm sure he's moving a lot of, like, social media numbers and merch and that kind of shit, though, right? You measure things differently in today's era. And ultimately, all this is, and Tony, he's passionate. Give him that, you know. he's He gets all excited and he starts rattling off like a millionaire. He, he beat this guy and this guy and this guy. And this. Calm down. Take it. Down a notch. Even Punk had to say, "Okay, let's uh, let's get off of this now. Let's let's change the topic." You know, um, he's intense. He, he gets excited, but I think all of this kind of stems from Bischoff's just got a hair up his ass about something Tony Khan said about Ted Turner. Uh, you know, Ted Turner doesn't know wrestling, and blah, blah, blah. and that pissed off Bischoff, and Bischoff took that personally, and, and just Punk. Also comparing, uh, comparing him and Danielson coming over to to being similar or big, bigger than when Holland Nash came over, which was too ballsy to say. And so far, I don't know that that's the truth. You know that it quite worked out that way. But regardless, it's it's not unsimilar. You know, like there are definitely two major names from the E coming into a new foreign company and, and helping it out with star power um but ever since those comments were made bischoff has just been on the tear like fucking aew be damned tony khan be damned i don't care that you invited me on and you had me on your show a couple times and you rolled out the red carpet and you spoke fondly of me and stuff and respect i'm still gonna trash you because i took personal offense to that you know um is what it is you know uh and then uh booker t had comments i'd seen this around a couple different places um but specifically booker t always has that contrary opinion too which is actually why i listen to him don't think just because i disagree with somebody and i bash somebody's opinions you know like a bischoff or uh jim Cornette or booker t has been doing it a lot lately yeah talking about tony khan being unprofessional for swearing i've heard this a few places but obviously booker the most prominent but come on man dana you ever hear dana white speak publicly ever he's the most a brash outspoken give a fuck less tell it like it is kind of guy that there is and tony khan's been pretty corporate but I don't see anything wrong, especially in that press conference, post-show scrum setting. This is where you see Dana White a lot. This is probably, you know, inspired. The reason AEW does it is probably heavily inspired by the way uh, UFC does theirs. You know, Dana White comes out and takes his questions as the promoter or owner, whatever, as the boss man. Um, but then each individual, like, you know, from the matches get their time too. So... 
it's much to do about nothing. You know, I, I like that kind of shit. Like, give me a little fire from my promoter, a little passion, you know, and I, I like the outspokenness. Give me that. I'm okay with that. That works for me. Um, I, I don't look at it as unprofessionalism. I think that's just a bunch of dog shit, but interesting topic, interesting subject in general. Uh, you know, Bischoff continues to bash. And now uh, Tony Khan firing back. And I'm sure we have not heard the last of this. I'm sure Bischoff will respond to Tony Khan's comments. And blah, 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 blah. It'll be an ongoing thing. But that's part of the fun of my job. It's drama, but that's what keeps this show alive, right? Because what are people talking about outside the ring? What's going on outside the ring? Podcasts, media scrums. That's my territory. And as a podcast journalist, it is my job to bring the news to you. And we will continue to cover this beef, this Eric Bischoff, Tony Khan, beef ski that's going on. And uh, all the drama that follows. On to the next. Pod is Foley. That is the new podcast in the uh, Conrad Thompson collection. This is officially the 47th podcast that Conrad Thompson does for professional wrestling. Same format, same thing you're used to, long form with a wrestling legend, picking one topic and just doing a deep dive into it. On this debut episode, Foley sat down with Conrad Thompson, talked about the era in which he was going to be retiring for the first time. This was back when, you know, he had retired with Triple H in his match with Triple H. And then, you know, just a couple months later was brought right back to main event WrestleMania 16 or WrestleMania 2000, if you want to be uh, late 90s, early 2000s about it. Uh, you know, and, and they spelt WrestleMania with a Z probably too. I don't know. But in that era, Mick Foley was retiring and that was the topic of this conversation. And uh, very specifically in this clip that I'm going to play for you here, Foley talks with Conrad Thompson about what led to that decision and the exact conversation that he had with Vince McMahon, where Vince told him, Foley, you're done. Was that, um, that was the night Al Snow and I worked with Bob and Crash Holly, and I was SmackDown taping. And I fell down twice in the match. Couldn't the the uh, patented uh, catch the boot, spin me around, but I come back with the clothesline. There you go. Which D, your friend DDP took like the day after I left WCW in 94. And I was like, DDP, you're taking all my stuff. He's like, well, bro, you're not here anymore. Like <laughs> one day I might be back again. And I right. like to have that stuff. Yeah, yeah. DDP had never done that catch the boot, spin, <laughs> clothesline. He may have added, added this business to it, but um, I talked to Vince. I was so embarrassed that night. I said, Vince, man, I I think I got to hang up the boots. At that point, it was the sneakers, which I started wearing because of the problems with the knees. And that's where he encouraged me to um, drop some pounds. And I said, Vince, I can't remember where I live anymore. Oh. He says, what's that? I said, I drive past my house. Like, I can't remember things. And he said, you've just had your last match. Wow. That's super scary that the dude couldn't even find his house. Uh, Foley was, I mean, 
that dude took a lot of damage. And those, like, going back to that match with The Rock at the Royal Rumble with all the chair shots that was on behind, beyond the mat, that kind of stuff that Foley did on the regular, quite frankly, for so many years. It's, it's a wonder that he's any kind of healthy now, that he has the recollection that he has, that he's able to go out and write books and do speaking tours and all that. I mean, it's a fucking miracle he's not in a wheelchair, to be honest. It uh, goes to the toughness of McFoley. Um, and I'm glad that wrestling's changed from that. We don't see that kind of violence anymore. A lot of, a lot more people have become educated on, on just how bad that you can really fuck somebody up just by beating them with a steel chair repeatedly over the head. Who knew? Who knew that if you just savagely smashed a steel object into someone's head, 10 times in a row that uh, it could do long-term damage. I mean, I had no clue, right? So uh, it's awesome hearing Foley talk in depth about these situations. I had the great opportunity to catch Foley on his, one of his stand-up tours that he does. And he's an awesome storyteller. Um, He's entertaining as fuck. Like Foley's a great guy to do a podcast with if you're gonna do like a sit down long form podcast with them uh you know it's just another one to add to the list though you know conrad like i said he's got 73 podcasts he's got him with every guy that's ever been inducted into the hall of fame they you get now it's like built into your contract like once you get a hall of fame induction uh you also get a podcast deal with conrad thompson so i mean <clears throat> it's great that we have it i love the content i'm not knocking it just saying another weekly three-hour show is gonna be a bit much but mcfoley might be one of the highlights to listen to great storyteller uh decorated amazing career so if you're gonna pick one to listen to definitely go with foley and uh i recommend going back and listening to that first episode if you haven't yet foley is pod is the name of the podcast which is fucking genius too by the way uh, Foley's pod brilliant name for a show and a good little deep dive into that era where he was uh back as Cactus Jack wrestling Triple H and main eventing Wrestlemania AJ Mendez better known to most of you as AJ Lee or Mrs. CM Punk was on the Sessions podcast with Renee Paquette this week uh, both of them were in town in Las Vegas for Double or Nothing as their hubbies were wrestling on the big show. Uh, so Renee took the opportunity to sit down and have a chat with AJ. Uh, they talked about all kinds of fun things, you know, uh, AJ's current project with WOW, which I covered a few weeks back here. You can go check out clips if you want to hear AJ talk specifically about WOW. Um, but in this clip, uh, Renee was kind of teasing, will we ever get to see you in the ring again? And no, AJ sounded very pretty adamant that her in-ring days were done, and she kind of likes just being, uh, you know, more of the writer-producer side of things, you know. Um, she didn't quite rule it out, though. Check out this clip. You and Punk, I mean, for you guys to both be away from wrestling, um, but then the conversations to start to happen, like, okay, 
he's going to get back into wrestling. Like when you guys started talking about that, what was that like? Um, so I don't know if he shared this, but the conversation was a conversation, I think, way longer than people knew with many things happening in the universe. There was many options. And it was a very long time of like, what's the right route here? What's the safest route? What's, um, what does it look like? Is it, um, it, it was something I was kind of scared of, um, just like seeing what would, I don't know, like emotionally happen. Yeah. But um, that was more or less for, for, for his stuff. I, to me, I retired and I, I retired. Yeah. You know, um, so, even though everyone wants that mixed tag, but <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I know. I, I always say never say never say never, but don't hold your breath. Yeah, and then everyone always just like holds on to the never say never. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah. <laughs> don't hold your breath. You're going to die. As much as I would love to see AJ Lee, AJ Mendez come back to wrestling, because. Man, I don't know if you guys, like, I don't know how many of you were watching back when, I mean, it was like 10 years ago now that she was on TV. It was the Divas era. It was a different time than what we're living in now. But if you were around and you were watching the era when AJ was on TV, she was fucking great. She was absolutely one of, if not the top women's talents on on the roster during her time there and she was a champion there and she did do wrestlemania and all that stuff but i mean on the mic as a character as the commissioner for a little bit like the crazy chick all of that stuff like she was such an amazing like she's just great like the, her ability to talk uh, i'm not saying she was you know, Serena Deeb in the ring necessarily, but she was actually pretty talented as a wrestler too. Like she wasn't just some ditzy ass diva cunt, you know, she was a very talented wrestler who could hang in today's era. Absolutely could. And, uh, you know, as much as I'd love to see her back in the mix full time, I really only need her for one match. And that's the match that Renee asked about. We need that mixed tag. Do we not? Britt Baker and fucking Adam Cole versus CM Punk and AJ Mendez. What if Adam, so CM Punk gets in the mix. So if you've been listening to the show earlier, we're just fantasy booking the whole year apparently. Because if you listen to my the earlier parts of my show, I talked about the MJF situation, then the CM Punk situation and how MJF could take title and and be like the anti-AEW champion you know I'm holding it hostage that kind of thing leading to Punk's return where Punk is AEW's hero and takes it back from the big bad guy MJF um, and then that can lead into a program with Adam Cole which Adam Cole has been talking about wanting for so long he wants to work Punk and I know Punk has mentioned Adam Cole a couple times we definitely know Punk's friendly with Baker so uh, it only makes sense that uh, during an Adam Cole CM Punk championship feud, maybe we get a pit stop where they do the mixed tag match with Britt 
and with AJ. How fucking great would that be? Just one match, one angle. That's all I would request out of AJ. And then she can fuck off forever if she would like to, to wow land and movie land and all that stuff, which is her intention to do. And she doesn't make, she doesn't sound like she has any intention. You know, don't hold your breath or you'll die is basically what she said. But she also said, I never say never. So I never say never, but don't hold your breath or you'll die. Look, we've heard Punk say it again. If there's anything I've learned from being a wrestling fan is that never say never is just you, you nothing can be ruled out in wrestling. Eric Bischoff has been on Monday Night Raw hugging Vince McMahon. CM Punk is back in professional wrestling. Look, you never say never they always come back they always come bret hart came back bret hart handshaking Shawn michaels in the middle of the ring on monday night raw come on man never say never in wrestling so aj cm punk Britt baker adam cole it writes itself it's an absolute must it needs to happen It'd be a huge main event anywhere. Absolutely. Make huge money for AJ. And then she can just ride back off into the sunset. You know, deep down, she wants to do a match with Punk. She has to. And I know Punk's got to want it. You got to want it. And all they got to do is hang out with Cole and Baker one day and get a little peer pressure in from them. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I can't wait to fucking see it. But until then... You can catch AJ on WOW if you're into women's wrestling to that level. Seek that shit out. Matt and Jeff Hardy are on Talk is Jericho this week, talking with Chris about their huge return run in AEW. Of course, cut short with uh, Jeff Hardy being knocked silly in his match at Double or Nothing. But uh, the Hardys, you know, still picked up the big win, apparently, on their last run as a team back together. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, even though clearly it looks like they've kind of lost a step, which is sad to see. Um, But hopefully they can kind of milk their last run just a little bit longer and get something good out of that. But they were on talk as Jericho talking about their return, talking about that run, talking about their plans, all that kind of shit. But it was in this clip in particular that I found interest where Jeff Hardy talks, Jeff and Matt talk about the situation where WWE was forcing a rehab and a piss test on Jeff Hardy for walking out of the ring. Check out this clip. I mean, you know, obviously we know what they're doing. Here, yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, the, and the time will come for both. But we just kind of sitting back going, OK, I get it. And, uh, you know, it was once again, man, I, I, you know, I was in the midst of trying to also help him get those results. Just kind of clear his name, because I know they told Jeff. Yeah, Jeff called me. I'll never forget because we were in Long Island last week. Whenever yeah, we recorded this, right, you yeah. know, we're here in Houston today. And last week we were in Long Island, and I remember telling Jeff whenever we got in our rental car and we were driving away from the airport, I said, "Holy shit, man! This is this is where you called me. This is where Jeff called me that morning." He said, "Dude, I just called the phone with Johnny uh, after the stuff, and I was driving to the airport the next morning after a dynamite. It was on a Thursday, and uh, the, the first dynamite we did there in Long Island. He said uh, they told me if I don't go to rehab, they're going to release me. So I just I told him, let me go, 
you know, because I don't need to go to rehab. I'm not leaving my family. I don't have a problem. I'm good and whatever. Like they, they didn't wait on the results of the drug test. So it's like, what the hell, man? You know, they, they had to listen to the counselor guy that he was talking about. And I'll, I'll never forget that moment. I was like, dude, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And then, uh, and then like once they, the test came back clean and negative, then like, you know, they, they held out on it. And then I remember the, the, he called me, I said, you're not going to believe what just happened. They just called me and asked me to go in the Hall of Fame, and he gave me the whole speech. I said, oh, my God, like, what a tactic. <laughs> you know, this is four or five weeks out, and they're just they're kind of throwing a Hail Mary yeah. to do what they can because there's no way they would have had you go be in the Hall of Fame without some sort of deal. They would have wanted some sort of agreement to have you locked in. I, I, I feel like the, the point of that was very blatantly to keep you at WWE and stop you from going to AEW. Yeah, maybe I should have said, do I have to go to rehab to be inducted? <laughs> <laughs> I get it on both hands. I get it on both sides. Like I get Jeff Hardy's got a history. So for anybody to say, well, WWE didn't believe me when I was acting erratically that I wasn't on drugs. Would you, would you believe yourself? Put yourself in their shoes, right? Guy acting erratically walks out during a match has a long history of, of, of his drugs problems. And I'm not, I'm not ripping on Jeff here. I'm just saying, put yourself in WWE shoes as an office. You might just want to take a, a drug test. But where they went wrong is before they even got the, the, the results back for the test, they were trying to shove Jeff into rehab or fire him. And Jeff, knowing that he's not on drugs, knowing for a fact, that he's clean probably insulted by the way he's being talked to and treated right now which look again comes with the territory of being a former junkie you start acting weird people are going to go you on the junk again you have to accept that as part of your recovery that you're always going to be doubted to a certain extent because you it's, it's part of you you've been a fuck up before multiple times so you can't fault people for going are you being a fuck up again or is it something else but where wwe fucked up is is trying to push him into rehab or fired without even getting the test results back i mean test him yes i probably would have did that um keep him off tv till you get the results maybe um but you got to give him the benefit of the doubt if you're going to test somebody you got to actually wait for the results of the test to come back before you try to take some sort of action so that's where uh, definitely Hardy had a right to feel insulted and where he pushed it, just like, okay, give me my release, then I'm not going to rehab. And then they did, and then they get the results back and find that he wasn't dirty at all. And then he walks, if not jukes, through the door of AEW to his brother's loving arms. Uh, it's, it's WWE's fuck up, but, you know, and then they tried to... You, you could say, well, maybe they didn't really want him anyway, but then they tried to bribe him back with, like, a Hall of Fame induction and all of that kind of stuff. So they're like, we're, we're, we're so sorry. Hall of Fame. We'll give you the Hall of Fame. Just come back. He's like, nah. Done with you guys. Didn't really want to be there anyway. So is what it is right jeff hardy aew i mean he's not gonna he's not been a difference maker he's not gonna be a difference maker in either company um but he is a legend at this point and there's a lot of money to be made off having legends on your roster not just from 
giving that rub to the next generation like he's already doing with Darby and like he's already done with the Young Bucks. Um, but just, you know, the merchandise, the video games, the licensing, the on and on and on. I mean, just putting them on your marketing that you're sending out to all these towns and, and shit like that. Um, you know, and, and he seems to be happy where he's at. It's where he wanted to be. But for WWE to to be that drastic, like, you know, I'm trying to see it from their perspective. But at the end of the day, like, they treated him like shit. Should he have walked out on the match at all to begin with? No, that was dumb. Does he have a history? Yes. Should he have taken a piss test? Yes. Um, But to force him into rehab or fired before you even know the results of those tests, just on a hunch, on your assumption, guilty before innocent, presumed guilty it's not good shit man they don't fucked up and jeff hardy is now laughing all the way to tony khan's pay window that's it we've made it all the way to the end of our very first episode that is in video format i hope you guys uh first of all i hope that if you are an audio listener, because um, I did hear from a couple people who are audio listeners that were concerned with the video format going forward, that it would be like a show that they had to watch instead of listen to. I hope that uh, the show hasn't changed for you guys any when you listen back, uh, that it just it's just like any other show that I've ever done. That's the idea here. Um, really, the only difference is I have a camera uh, on my face now as I record the podcast. But otherwise, this is what I do. This is where I record the show. Uh, you know, I sit in my basement and I, I turn on my microphone and I, I listen or I record the audio for the podcast. So really, I'm just turning the camera on, letting you guys watch, uh, just giving some kind of video element to it because... Quite honestly, like I had said, I don't know if you'd caught my uh, news update where I announced I'm going to be going video. It's just that I feel like most, just to be 100% honest, like I love my podcast listeners. I appreciate that. But the majority of my attention that I get for this podcast, clips or full full show, comes in the form of, of YouTube or, or TikTok, you know? Um, so in, for them, the people on YouTube or TikTok, I'll, they're staring at the thumbnail the whole time. And as much as I like my thumbnails and I put effort into the thumbnails, uh, it's, it's still, you know, and, and other people do that. Cornette's podcast is on YouTube, gets plenty of views with just thumbnails, but I don't, I have the capability to give a little bit more. So I wanted to do a little bit more and, you know, I've been dabbling and streaming, uh shows and video gaming and 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 just doing different video related projects so why not bring it on into the pro wrestling podcast podcast i hope you liked it if you liked it and if you don't like it you can still listen to the audio and i hope that uh, there's been no change or effect on that uh but enough about that let's get into some plugs here please follow me on social media uh, it's going to be, you can follow me on Facebook at Seth Grimes Media, that's slash Seth Grimes Media or whatever they do on Facebook. Like me, follow me on Twitter at Seth Grimes Media, also on TikTok at Seth Grimes Media. 
And you can find me on YouTube if you're listening to the audio right now. Come check out the video format of this show on YouTube. Uh, it's going to be YouTube slash United Underworld Media. Uh, if you want to help out the show and donate, you can donate. If you just want to throw some cash my way, I will not uh, I will not turn it away. You can do that. Uh, PayPal.me slash United Underworld. If you want to donate there, if you want something for your donation, I have a book available. It is The Gathering, a bold journey into the belly of the Juggalo underworld about a dude who goes to a music festival. It's a bunch of drug-induced debauchery. Uh, It's fun. I highly recommend it. Um, That can be found on Amazon, Audible, and Kindle, whether you like to read a book, a physical book, you like to read on your tablet or you like to listen to the audio, I got you covered. Check out the book there. Help a brother out. If you are into NFTs, I have pro wrestling inspired NFTs. I have just launched the new uh, the new uh, championship collection, as we call it. These are pro wrestling championship belts that you're going to know and love. Uh, that have been given a crypto twist. For example, we have, uh, as you can see in the graphic here, we got the Ethereum logo replacing the WWE logo on the WWE Championship. That is the WWE Championship. And, of course, the Universal title is the Metaversal title. And so on. A lot of fun stuff going on there. If you're into crypto, if you're into NFTs, a lot of people shit on that hate it think it's all stupid fine you're entitled to your opinion not trying to push it on you but if you're into that shit and you're also a pro wrestling fan and you want to help support you can check those out that's going to be at cryptomania nft.com or just search for cryptomania on rarible or OpenSea or uh, coinbase and finally, we have reached the end of the show. We have reached the end of the plugs. That's all I got for you. That's all I got. I appreciate you sticking around to the end of the show. I appreciate you checking out the video format. If you have checked out the video, throw a comment in the comments. Try not to make me cry if you can. If you must, then you must. Go ahead and make me cry. That's what it's there for. Comments are there for you to be you and do your thing. So do your thing. But uh, love to hear from you. Love the engagement. You can also reach out to Seth Grimes, X-I-I-I, at gmail.com. If you want to contact me directly or slide into my DMs, uh, if I see it, if I have time, I will respond to you and holla holla. Check out some of my other stuff on the YouTube channel if you're there. I do do other things. I am getting into gaming. There may already be some gaming videos up. If not, there will be very shortly uh, other podcasts. I do reviews, uh, wrestling-related reviews as well, like the return of CM Punk from the live event, Mick Foley's live event, the Young Bucks book. All that shit is on my YouTube channel. That's it. That's all I got to say. I've talked to you. You're off enough. Thanks for sticking around. I appreciate you. Peace, love, and pizza. I am your host, Seth Grimes, and this has been the, you like that, by the way, the peace, the love, love, love.
and the pizza's a the pizza. Put the pizza in. I think I did a. I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it the fuck out. Fuck it. Fuck it. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Fuck it. This has been the Pro Wrestling Podcast. Podcast. I'm probably not good for video. Hey, it's just uh, up in my mouth and see my fillings and stuff now I'm ashamed Juggalos. I fucking hate them. I say all this with a grain of salt because for a good part of my own life I proudly identified as a juggalo. You should come to the gathering with me. Nah, man. I'm not into all that whoop whoop shit anymore. I'll pay for your ticket. I got fired today. Get the fuck out! Still got room for me? Spike, slow the fuck down! Cops! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! The savages started closing in with their tiki torches and war paint. Shit! Run! You guys got a dead body here already? Even the aliens were throwing shade. It was pure panic and intense horror. There was a guy I saw got chopped in half. I had nothing left to go back to. You alive? <sighs> yep. The Gathering. A bold journey into the belly of the Juggalo underworld.